Hello, everyone. Welcome to Goddess Alive Radio Podcast. This is Kimberly Moore, founder and priestess from Mother House of the Goddess. Mm -hmm. And I am absolutely delighted to bring another autumn podcast to add to our beautiful lineup this year. And we have today Stargood, who is the author of The Sheila in the Gig Book. And when I tell you The Sheila in the Gig Book, there has not been any treatment of her that has been this in-depth and absolutely wonderful. So I'm really delighted to have Star with us today. We're going to explore Sheila Nagig, who is occasionally, occasionally, for those who are uninformed, possibly, um, a misunderstood goddess. So Star is an MA. She teaches writing and literature at Santa Monica College. She's a producer and moderator for the table, cable TV series, the Goddess in Art, which is available on YouTube. And if you go to motherhouseofthegoddess.com, you can get all of her links to make sure that you are connected with this amazing goddess woman and award-winning writer. So, Star, welcome to Goddess Live Radio. I'm delighted to be here, Kimberly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I just want to wade right in. We have Sheila Nagig, the Dark Goddess of Sacred Power. It's a gorgeous book. It's like a textbook, but mm. so accessible. So kind of start us off with your journey to Sheila in a gig. Well, my journey started in the early 80s when a friend of mine, Renee Brown, bless her, wherever she may be, showed me a picture of a Sheila in a gig. And she said to me, I think you'd be interested in this. And it was love at first sight. I was so mesmerized by this image, this conundrum of opposites in one body, this great exaggerated vulva that could be half the size of her body. And it was so tumescent and ripe and lush, the vulva, a very fertile vulva. And yet it was housed in the dry body of a crone with uh, emaciated ribs or uh, you know, the dried out dugs of the hag. So here we had these, these opposites of creation and destruction in one figure, and she was so powerful. She was so powerful. She was so bold and in your face and not asking for permission to exist. You know, And I, I just fell in love, and I began my journey that way. Oh, my God. And then I started tracing it, and I had a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy of um, the 1977 Witch on the Wall by Jorgen Anderson, which is the first really modern treatment and book of the Sheila Giggs, a, a wonderful book. It was his um, doctoral thesis as an art student. Oh, and, wow. and then I began and I started traveling to Ireland and uh, <clears throat> the British Isles, England, Wales, Scotland, and began tracing the Sheila Giggs down. Now there's more maps like Jack Roberts' has maps and things you could do but at that time I was following a 60 year old map of of descriptions of trying to you know trace them out through the countryside and it was quite an adventure wow and so tell us a little bit because you know Sheila Nagig is so interesting and you and I right before we got on and I'll share with our audience because you can kind of go back on Motherhouse Facebook we had a very interesting experience a couple weeks ago where I had posted for our goddess every day, the image of Sheila in the gig with a little bit of a blurb about her. And um, we had a, a person on the Facebook who had a very negative 
kind of crazy reaction um, called it satanic. Our audience weighed in and for all of our listeners in our audience, I love you because you guys were glorious and defended Sheila and the gig. Um, so tell us a little bit too, because Sheila, she gets misunderstood very, um, it's a very common thing for her to be misunderstood. Do you agree? Well, I do. I do. Although I think that part of the whole zeitgeist and spirit of the time is reclaiming uh, these sacred images. We know we have words like vulva and vagina and pussy now being reclaimed in our in our culture. And I think it's all part of the return of the goddess and the return of the Sheila. But I wanted to make the comment, the fact that she looked at the female body and called it evil is just a toxicity of patriarchy. Yes. Yes. And it's is and that's part of I think why we need the Sheila and why there's such a popular interest in her today is a female, a supernatural female, because she's not an ordinary female. No female looks like that. And yet she is female. That it's part of um her reclamation of saying, My parting of the thighs, this sacred it's a sacred image. It's not holy, it's not degraded, it's sanctified, and that she's sanctifying the vulva, which is the quintessential image of creativity. And as I write in my book and say, this is the cosmological foundation of the imagination. It's the sine qua non of creativity in the imagination, a worldwide symbol and image all through time back to the paleolithic caves all over the world on every continent maybe not antarctica but every continent these images of of holy females parting their thighs to impart images of creation and destruction all the things the primal processes of life so to look at a female body and call it evil is a tragedy and a toxicity of our time but it's changing it is. It is. And, and if anybody had any doubt, I mean, like, you know, the hundreds of comments that we had, which was amazing. And, and it was absolutely glorious to see women like, you know, weighing in and saying, that's not true. This is a part of our body. This is a part of us. And we want it back. I mean, this is kind of following yeah. along with you know, the Me Too thing and what happened with Dr. Blasey Ford. And I mean, yes. what a timely moment for Sheila to really be an amazing icon for goddess women and for women, period. Yeah, she is. Because um, I just want to say a little bit about their history and, you know, define them a little bit yes. to say that Sheila Giggs are stone carvings of females who display their supernatural vulvas on medieval churches. And they were created between the 12th and 17th centuries, and again, found in England, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. And first they were on sacred, and then later on secular architecture. And you can find them on churches, castles, bridges, town walls, holy wells, tombs, standing stones. And I say that they're a particular representation in a particular time and space of the archetypal energies of the vulva. The archetypal energies of the vulva, the vulva is a primordial motif deep in our inner world. And of course, it's in our outer world too. And that's one of the reasons why it's so sacred and why it's so imaginative is because it, it follows the, the most sacred function of the imagination, which is to connect us to the world of the beyond, to connect us to the um, to our inner world. And 
we live in this time of superficial images and being bombarded in this, you know, electronic age and the information age. But those are images that just distract us and mask this tedious world of mechanical <laughs> endurance and entertain us to death. But they're very superficial. But the Shilinigig is an image that feeds us, that's whole, that shows the whole of creation, the, you know, the, the great cosmic, the entrance to the cosmic womb of the, of the great mother, of the creatrix, of all of life, of all of cosmos. And that was make her, makes her so rich and so juicy and so needed by us. Absolutely. So it's a very interesting thing to me, Star, that um, we find her on churches, because you would think, I mean, you're talking 12th, 13th, 14th century, you would think that there would have been a huge kind of uh, blowback to that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, you have to remember that the soil of Europe was pagan first for millennia. People worshiped the great goddess. And Christianity is just a thin veneer over these earlier traditions. So it can hardly be surprising to find stone carvings of supernatural figures like um, females like Schellenegig appearing in the Middle Ages. And I think that, you know, you can't do away with nature. You can't do away with people's instincts. You know, you can try and repress things and you can uh, have churches saying women are the source of all evil and disconnect from our bodies. But people have instincts and they don't go away. And I feel that she's, and I trace this in my book. I mean, certainly when you look in Ireland, Ireland was never invaded by the Roman Empire, so they really kept their cult, Celtic culture. And she connects right back immediately to the Celtic goddesses of sovereignty and Celtic, you know, the the divine hag. Sheila's are by holy wells where there used to be a trio of Celtic goddesses. You have uh, sculptural traditions in Ireland that connect back and look um they, the, the figures look like Sheila Giggs, and you have like the Lestimore Idol in Northern Ireland um, in this very remote Victorian graveyard, which I'd always read was a male. But when I got there, I found um, <clears throat> the top part of a vulva. So you have these traditions, and certainly in myth, in, uh, in a narrative like Dodgers Hostel, we have an image of the old hag comes and her vulva is described as falling beneath her knees. So I'm just saying there's traces of all of that and more than traces, you know, vital forces. So it's all part of that, the culture. And in my book, the first part of the book, I trace it back to uh, the Celtic goddesses, to classical figures like Balbo and, and of course the Gorgon Medusa, whose face is, whose grinning mouth is uh, upper vulva. Uh, it's where she gives birth to her children. And you go back to the frog goddess, the squatting frog goddess who rules over life and death. And then you go back to the Paleolithic caves, which are just wondrous, the primordial motif of the vulva, like the, one of the most um, enduring images and one of the most used and numerous images. So I'm just saying it's just a through line. And so for hundreds of years in the Middle Ages, they put the Sheilas up, partly because the first Sheila I ever saw, the Killinaboy Sheila in County Clare, when I was walking up to see her, I saw these workers, and they were working on the road, and they said, ah, have you seen our Sheila again? I said, oh, I'm on my way. She said, oh, the Christians put her up to bring in the pagans. 
<laughs> so it was just a little bit of country folklore that he was telling me. So, so it's the idea that they put her up so that that the people, the country folk, and the Sheilas are quite a, um, a rural phenomena, that the, the pagans or country folk could see something they recognized and to bring them in. So the Sheilas lasted up to the 17th century, and then you start getting other historical forces like another invasion from England by Cromwell, and you get the counter-reformation of the Catholic Church, and they tried to destroy a lot of the figures, but some of them they couldn't destroy and some of them were hidden for safety. So it was a particular window. It was a particular window of time. So those are all the historical forces. And there is no book of why we did the Sheilas. But, you know, you have to kind of dig and trace and, and go back. And you did a marvelous job. I mean, really, really marvelous job um, in your book. It, it's so uh, readable, you know, which I Thank you. you know, it really is. It's so interesting. So um, for our listeners, just as we're, so you can peek while we're talking, um, you can find more information on STAR at stargood.com and it's S-T-A-R-R-G-O-O-D-E.com. That's um, goody, by the way, it's goody. Goody, okay. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. And um, how absolutely wonderful. So how many trips have you made, STAR? I don't know. <laughs> I would have to sit and count five, six, seven, eight over the years going back and, you know, and it would just be adventure. You could spend a whole day trying to find a Sheila and a gig. Like I said, now there's more maps and things, but, um, you know, I started in the eighties going to do it. My last trip was maybe four or five years ago. Then I started writing the book, although I'd been working on the things on the book for decades. So it's really a life work for me, this book. Oh my gosh, it's it's absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. I you know. And I also want to say that there's a lot of images in the book. I really wanted to have the book, dare I say, be juicy. I wanted it to have a foundation that there was a scholarly foundation to it, and I have many footnotes. And but I also wanted it to feel alive, and I also wanted the images, like I said, over 150 images, because it's the power of the images. When I was writing the book, that was my first subtitle, was In Pursuit of an Image, because I was pursuing this image of sacred display of the vulva, and and that was my mandate from the goddess, from the shields, to do that, and, you know, the, it's the image of an image penetrates it, it it bypasses your conscious mind and of course i spent decades trying to understand them and interpret them but the wholeness of the image really penetrates our whole body and our whole psyche and whatever interpretations we put upon her they can rise and fall and come and go but the image endures powerful eternal mysterious it's the power of the image just just look at the sheila right it's visceral. I mean, we all have yes. a visceral reaction to those images in particular. And, um, you know, and I think that's wonderful. I think it's wonderful because it gives us information about how we are not only approaching goddess, but our own bodies and, and the sacred, you know, vulva for women. Like, what does that mean to us, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's there. It's real. It's in our outer world, and it's in 
image a timeless pattern of energy in our inner world, a primordial motif, because it's all throughout time. And as I said, all over the world. In Europe, I was just tracing it back to the Paleolithic caves. It's it's in Africa. It's in Asia. It's in North and South America. It's in Australia. It's in Oceania. And even though the coloring and how these figures look, it's amazing how consistent the functions are and how consistent the meanings are. And Maria Gimbutas in her great language of the goddess said, looking back at these um, symbols really from the Paleolithic times, what struck her was not the change, but the consistency of these images over the millennia. Isn't that amazing? So you see this really grounded, embedded, uh, embedded and cosmological image. Yes, it, it is amazing. I mean, that and that whole comparative mythology, mythography, all of that is, is so fascinating to track. Um, well, I feel that's one of my real contributions to the Sheila studies is to look, take the image worldwide, you know, to look at the Dulakai in Oceania, of course, to look at Kali, who, who can be Kali the destroyer or Kali Ma, the, the great mother, the larger gallery, these beautiful uh, imageries of, of sacred display in frog poses in India, you know, these um, ceremonial doors and huts in Africa. Uh, oh, the Taino Indians in Puerto Rico, who had the malefic fate to be the first Indians in contact with Columbus. That's a sad story. Um, but, you know, their Itaba, Chahubaba, Adabi, their goddesses. Uh, and again, all these images are in my book, which I worked hard to, to put in the book. It, I mean, when you just look at the image and the evidence of it, here on this culture, here in this culture, here in this culture, all over the world, and back through time. Beautiful. It's beautiful. It's absolutely magnificent. And, you know, she's a survivor, right? <laughs> she's a survivor. Well, you know, you can't do away with nature. If there's no Sheila there's no life, you know, because this is an image of the great, what I think of when I look at her vulva, the ever-renewing life force. This is the ever-renewing life force, which, of course, encompasses destruction, but it's renewal. You know, um, the death wielder and life giver and old European imagery were, this, were, were composite figures sometimes, you know, and that they, and um, Maria Gimbutas called them the magician mother. Life stops and starts again. So there's no life without the Sheilas. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Now, I love this because you write that the Sheila Nagag is an antidote, an antidote, and I love using that word about goddesses, to the war on women, the war on nature, and the war on the imagination. Can you expand on that for us? Well, I know, I like that too, because as the great Rebecca Solnit, a contemporary writer, says, the longest war is the war on women, and we know that that's still going on today. And let us all bless Jimmy Carter, who said, President Jimmy Carter, who said in the TED Talk that he was going to devote the rest of his life to the biggest human rights abuse in the world, which is the abuse of women and girls. And we know this is going on, and we know the violence. And again, we think of the courageous uh, Dr. Ford getting up and telling her story, and the Me Too movement, and 
you know, your time's up and all of those things. So we know there's a war on women and that war extends to the war on nature because we see the degradation of our planet. As I told you before we started off stage, you know, I'm living here in Santa Monica and I can smell the smoke and the ashes are raining down on me. We see the degradation of our planet. In other words, living in California through all these wildfires and, and, the image of the Sheila Nagig encapsulates or is a quintessence of what patriarchal culture really fears the most. The, the chaos of nature and female sexuality, the, the fierceness of these and the forces of these. And the Sheila Nagig embodies these things. And as I said before, that she's an image of wholeness that functions as in the old way that imagination did, which is sacred images to connect us from our inner world to the outer world, from our inner world, you know, to the deepest, most transformational parts of ourselves to um, the world of our five senses. So this is why images like that are wholeness and heal. And I, I just love saying that, that she is an antidote to the war on women, to the war on nature and the war of the imagination. Because when we have an image of a divine female to empower women and re-sacralize nature, all humans can find their rightful place in the circle of life. Beautiful. That is a beautiful statement, Star. Absolutely. So, so good. For those who are interested in connecting more deeply with the Sheila, what do you recommend besides your book? Like, because of course, start yes, buy my book. <laughs> uh, you can buy my book on Amazon or you can buy it through um, Inner Traditions, the publisher. It's cheaper on Amazon. But go to my website, www.startgoody.com, and you can find it. You can find images and you can just Google Sheila Giggs and look at images. But of course, I love my book. I, if you want to start to connect, just meditate on the image just look at the image and she'll speak to you she'll speak to you because the sheilas are not just historical artifacts they're alive today they are alive they kept you know they're they're part of a timeless energy like i was saying an, an archetypal which meaning you know uh, timeless patterns of energy are forms from the first uh, so that energy is in us and it will talk to us and and it's in the outer world, of course. So, this, so I would say, look, just look at look at the image, and it'll speak to you. That's and then, you know, you can read my book or read things or go travel to Ireland and travel. You know, there's more Sheila and the gigs in Ireland, and in England and Scotland and Wales, they're often found in the concentrated in the areas of the earlier Celtic culture. Uh, you know, and you can travel and and look at them, but. Just look at the image. That's a starting point because it has a wholeness that'll speak to you. Oh, it's just absolutely amazing. And, and I think one of the things that is so potent to me about this too, about the image of the Sheila is, is the smile. Like, you know, we yeah. get the sensation that, that she is unabashedly unashamed. I mean, you know, I love that. <laughs> This is she is Mary in the bold display of herself. She is not apologizing. And she has that kind of almost archaic smile. Some of them are, are more fierce and have more grimaces. But the most well-known Sheila, the Kilpeck Sheila, does have that smile. And, you know, this is a, a beautiful uh, Norman church in, uh, in 
southwest England, the Kilpeck Church. And she's on a corbel table with many, many other images. But she, she has that smile of self-satisfaction. She knows who she is. And like you said, she is not ashamed. One of the uh, words, pedendum, is image of female genitalia, and it means shame. And she is not ashamed. I'm so glad you said that. She's proud of herself. She's, she's empowering. Wow. And what, what a weapon shame has been on the, you know, on the, in the war on women. I mean, that has been probably one of the most potent weapons used by yes. people. So, you know, wouldn't it be great if we all had this, you know, banner, these banners, these flags of Sheila's over our houses. <laughs> yeah, I, I was giving a talk with um, the Sheila's in, um, with the Association of Studies, Women in Mythology, and one of the women said, we need Sheila's over every school. You know, because it's just been another mass shooting. Look at Sheila, because Sheila's do protect entrances. One of one of, I mean, they have many functions, but one of their, to me, most fundamental functions is apotropia, are the power to attract good and repel evil. And because, of course, the vulva is a site of entrances and exits. You know, through sex and through birth, and an image of return. We we bury the dead in the womb of the mother and Mother Earth. So the Sheila's. Um, do have this power of protection and, and guarding entrances. Many Sheilas are placed by doors and windows, and uh, they are placed high on buildings uh, to protect the, the territory of the building. And, you know, the clan, uh, some, some, some uh, castles would have Sheilas on each wall. And in, in Looking at it worldwide, that function of protection, and also as a mother, you know, the Sheilas also are creative, and there's many Sheilas who look pregnant. One Sheila even holds a baby, and of course, the essence of a mother's protection. One of the most fascinating things to me when I was doing my research was to really fall into the world of those monuments of magnificence, the Paleolithic caves, and oh, if any of your listeners know of any tours, goddess tours to the Paleolithic caves, that's one of my missions is to really go there. But what I found in the Chauvet Cave, which was just discovered in, I forget, 94 or 96, and uh, it's that cave is 38,000 years old, so it's like 20,000 years before Lascaux. Wow. And in that cave, there are five vulvas, and each one of those vulvas protects, it's an etching or drawings of vulvas, each one protects and guards an entrance. And this is from the international newsletter of rock art, not some feminist organization. So it was one of the most thrilling days of scholarship for me to see that this function of protection, this meaning of the vulva and power of the vulva is there from the very beginning of human culture. That is sumptuous. I mean, that is... What, again, an amazing banner signal that pulls us all the way back to origin. Yes, yes. And again, tracing um, the images throughout European history and the ones worldwide, they have very, very similar functions. I love that. And, you know, they, they have creation and destruction and renewal and protection and guarding. And I mean, the Gorgon Medusa, she's over entrances. Uh, on temples, the the Dulakai in, uh, in in Oceania, she guards the entrance to the Bai or the ceremonial house, and the whole house is considered the body of the goddess. So, 
it's there. It's there. It is. Do you have a favorite star? Like, is there one that you go, oh, that's my Sheila? You know? <laughs> well, you know, I never, hmm. It's like a mother choosing her children. I'm just thinking that I know that's a hard <laughs> question. <laughs> I think. Oh, well, you've stumped me. Uh, I, I, hmm. I really, okay, there's one sh I really like. Well, I have a certain feeling for the um, Killing a Boy Sheila. That was the first Sheila I ever saw when I went to Ireland in mid 80s. That first one. Uh, I, you know, I do love the Kilpeck because she's the first Sheila I ever saw in, you know, in an image in a book. I love. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't answer that. I, I love different. I love the Moat Sheila. She's very fierce. The Moat Sheila. She's in Ireland, guarding a door, a doorway, and the Moat, and she just. She, she just has such a look on her face. She's so fierce, and she has uh, this sagging pregnant belly, and she, and she's holding her vulva. And that oh, that's the other thing. If I didn't say that, of course, the Sheila's the Sheila's pull their vulvas open with their hand gestures. I mean, there's variations of that. So she's you know pulling apart in this fierce gesture her vulva as an invitation in. You know, so there's many different ones. <laughs> there's many different ones. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. Again, your book, Star, what an amazing contribution to Goddess Scholarship. I mean, this is really, it, it's so wonderful. And and I love your, you know, you have the section on the frog, Balbo, Hecate, and Hecate, because Hecate is one of my mamas, and of course, you know, infamously was on, you know, temple doors and the gates of the city-states and homes and everything, because of being that portal that liminal space but also that protection just like the Sheila's so. yes and liminal is a is a very magical world and that's what the Sheila's are their threshold goddesses you know between the inner and outer worlds and uh and again the frog gods are Hecate in Egyptian she was a midwife the frog goddess and of course later in the Sheila is a dark goddess because she does have these powers over death and life many sheilas are in graveyards or in tombstones and overlooking the dead but also um you know the dark goddess's powers were later demonized with the witch burnings and her one of her you know familiars is hecate the frog right <laughs> so see the thing is it, it all it's all put together for those who will see. No, the Paleolithic caves are not hunting magic grounds. No, the Paleolithic caves are the womb of the great creatrix. You know, if you have eyes to see. No, those, those what you're calling, what male scholarship was calling these um, barbed arrows by this image of the vulva. No, that's a plant. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a plant to show its fecundity. I mean, if you have male bias, you can see anything. <laughs> That's true. Ah, I love what you said too, with we were talking in the beginning about the reclamation, because I think that um, we're in a very potent time for women and those who are interested in goddess, because it enables us to take some of these goddesses that have been particularly villainized over the centuries and reclaim them 
And uh, I, I agree. And you know, one of my goddess daughters <clears throat> sent me a leak to Janelle Monet, who's a popular singer, and Google her video on YouTube on Pink. She made these. It's all. Uh, it's just, it's a completely contemporary uh, pay on to to the vulva. And she has these pink vulva pants that she's opening. They're. I mean, she's so totally reclaiming that, and it's such a spirited, fun thing. And again. I think the world of work of Amy Schumer, inside Amy Schumer, or again, the vagina monologues, or that great piece of feminist art, the dinner party, or even, let us say, a hundred women just elected to the House of Representatives. <laughs> Boy, yes, we can envision them stepping through Sheila's vulva, because that is, you know, there was a pink wave. I love it. A pink wave, the pink pussy hats, and the new cover of the New Yorker is these women, you know, and some of them are Muslim women, and Native American women, gay women. They're standing and they're they're walking into the to the chamber, and it's all these kind of ghostly white men, you know, and they're coming into the chamber of the house. So, well, hooray! Yeah. In the words of the great artist Mary Beth Edelson, "Your five thousand years are up." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We need that in a t-shirt. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, Star, this has been so wonderful to touch base with you. So tell us a little bit, for those who are interested in possibly connecting with you, um, like what's next? Or do you teach locally? Uh, well, I teach locally, but I also go to conferences and talk. And if anybody wanted me to come and talk, I mean, I have many, many, you know, many, many images of Sheila's and I collect images because that's so foundational to me and I'm always happy to go places and talk. And uh, um, one of my next goals is to go see the Paleolithic caves, but if anybody has information about that. So, so people can just go to my website, www.stargoody, it's 10 letters, stargoody at where, yeah, .com, stargoody.com. And you can, and my, uh, email you can contact me through there I have my email address there and I'd love to hear from people I'd love to hear from people oh yes and our audience is good at that so we will you know give star your feedback check out her book her website we're going to see if we can tempt her over to mystery school of the goddess to help us facilitate opening that portal to more Sheila more Sheila and um Star, thank you so much for being here. I, I, I absolutely love it. I'm so delighted we finally have connected. I am too, and it was a great pleasure for me. Oh, good. Yay. And to all of our listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. Our hiatus for Goddess Alive Radio is finally over, and we have so many wonderful women that are going to be coming on in the, uh, for the autumn and winter, so I'm really, really delighted. More information on STAR is also at motherhouseofthegoddess.com. Of course, our archive uh, is at goddessliveradio.com or motherhouseofthegoddess.com. Share it with your friends. Share it with your goddess women and men. Share it everywhere. Let's get the Sheila Volva out there. Me too. <laughs> Hashtag me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> so good. STAR again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today. Well, you are very welcome. <laughs> thank you. 
And again, everyone, thank you for tuning in. My name is Kimberly Moore. I'm the founder and priestess of Mother House of the Goddess. Check out all the goodies that we have going on. We have some winter solstice things that are going to be coming up. And of course, all of our instructors have brand new classes for the uh, late autumn, early winter, new year at mysteryschoolofthegoddess.com as well. So be well. Happy holiday season. Thanksgiving is coming for those of us in the U.S. Woohoo! And uh, get your Sheila on. Get this wonderful book, <laughs> Sheila and the Gig, The Dark Goddess of Sacred Power, and uh, Reclaiming. I like that. That could be our, our motto for uh, 2019. Really? That's quite the guiding star. <laughs> yes, I love it. Okay, everyone. Have a fantastic week, day, month, wherever you are. And we'll be back next time with Goddess Live Radio and more juicy goddess women.